Hello, this is Gary Van Wormerdam, and this is the Awareness and Consciousness Podcast from PathwayToHappiness.com. This podcast is on elements of confusion. I think I'll title it. I could also title it The Corruption of Language, the Corruption of Meaning, or Insights on Being Impeccable with Your Word. I think elements of confusion is cryptic enough. The following is an excerpt from a talk I gave at an event last year. Some thoughts about it uh, will follow at the end. One note about the context. Um, Throughout the talk, I'm referencing Maya, which is an Eastern term for illusions, false beliefs, Um, the way we distort things. And for this event, I was using that as a reference. People could observe the the way their mind distorts things. Um, There's term for this in every culture, but Maya is used in that way, in this context. There was was a point when I was teaching I was like, I don't want to teach. I don't want to teach. I looked at that. I said, why guide people through that icky face their fears, unravel all their emotional wounds, challenge the judgmental voice in their mind that they're afraid of? Why, why invite people to go deal with that? That's uncomfortable. I don't think so. And, you know, it was like kind of a compassionate justification. Okay. And I debated that for a while. And I said, you know what? Where was I? I was like, I was in confusion. I had emotions. I didn't know why. I had voices in my head I was reacting to. I didn't know how to stop any of it frustrated, angry at times, feeling abused, mostly by myself, thinking it was somebody else. And I thought about being that way at that time. I'm like, oh yeah, that's how I was. And somebody gave me an opportunity of a way to go deal with it and change it. Oh. Okay. Then for those people who want to, I'll share But you notice, I don't encourage anybody to do this work. I don't tell people you should go do this. (laughs) I don't go promote it like it's the greatest thing. (laughs) No. You do it if you want to. And I recommend you don't. I recommend you don't. If I get somebody to quit early on, I'm like, good. It's the person that shows up again and says, no, I have another question that's like, I want to know this. I'm like, are you sure? You really want to know? Ask me again. Third time, I'm like, okay. Huh? So, for me, was what I thought was compassion at that time. Was let people avoid dealing with their 
judge and victim lies. That'd be less painful. Just stay in denial. Don't face off with it. That looked more compassionate. No. Because then they continue to struggle for the years of their life. Then they have anxiety and frustration, self-judgment for years and years. I'm like, okay, but if we go into this, yeah, it's going to be more painful for a while to take those splintering lies out. But then they're out for good. It's more ruthless. Then the real compassion is ruthless. In that way. doesn't mean it's not loving. It's very loving. But it's loving with a strategic plan, long term. This is how we'll change. Then compassion, there's the lie of compassion that I almost fell for, and a different kind of compassion that's more ruthless, more patient, gives more time. Okay? Then Maya is tricky like that. She'll put out even beautiful, wonderful spiritual concepts like compassion and try to twist it in our mind. So we do the opposite. Okay? Like love. One woman at a retreat, she was trying to reconcile with her father. She wanted so much to be loved. At the same time, she was looking at this relationship he was going to have and she was afraid to love. Same love? Love we desire and love we're afraid of? And we have this thing called love that we're afraid of. Because in our mind we've distorted this conceptual idea to mean many different things. And love means love is a battlefield. Love is painful. Love will lead to heartbreak. Love will, oh, it's work. It's a struggle. So now we have all these painful, heartbreaking stories connected to love. And we say love is all that. And I'm afraid to feel all that pain of a heartbreak if I love. I'm like, wait a minute, are we talking love or are we talking the heartbreak? But the dream in our mind throws them all together, puts them in the little capsule called love. It says, here's a pain pill. If you take this love, you're going to be in pain. And we don't look inside the capsule and say, okay, see inside the capsule you have love. This, ah, point out of emotion for a beloved But you also have in this story that it's not going to work out, hopes it'll be different, they'll let you down, and you end up disappointed and brokenhearted. That doesn't go in the same word. It doesn't go in the same pill. That's its own separate container. Do you see how we distort love? By condensing under one word whole dreams of lies. There's nothing wrong with the love, nothing painful about the love. 
The painful part is when you have the expectations and hope, and then your judge says, oh, they're not who I thought they were, and now you're disappointed in them, and you're like, oh, I bet I made the wrong choice. I shouldn't have chose them. That was a mistake. How could I be so stupid? Click, click, click. Now we have self-judgment about ourselves, judgment of them, victimization for a couple of different reasons. That shit's painful. And all that judgment and victory had nothing to do with this love emotion coming out of you. You're laughing because it's true or I'm making stuff up? And it's because of all this other stuff that has nothing to do with love that we're afraid to love. Nothing to do with love. But we've corrupted the word. Because Maya strings these other unrelated things together. Okay. Distorts what compassion is, distorts what love is. We're afraid of it. It's painful. No. Liar, liar, pants on fire. <laughs> We've got the wrong word going. We have to split out what is love and what is not love. What is the painful part? And it's not love. But this is how Maya tricks us to be afraid of love. And what does love become? Love becomes, oh, I want things to be safe. I don't want it to go in this other way that might be painful. So now love is control. Let's make it look like this. Let's make it stay like this. So it doesn't become as other things. Hope. These are, these are love, compassion. These are the avenues out of Maya. But Maya's over time gotten very clever and distorted the, and taken us down dead ends. Okay? Compassion and love now look like dead ends. Pain. Hope. Hope. Sitting with a man, he had great hopes on one of these trips. It's like, but he'd been on spiritual journeys in places in the world before, and he was like, never works out. Disappointed after disappointment after disappointment. And he was afraid it would be another disappointment. And I was like, well, you have hope. You showed up. You showed up. He's like, yeah, I showed up. I think it might work this time. I said, close your eyes. Close your eyes and really hope. Think about what you want. Feel all that hope for what you really want. He says, you feel all that? He says, yeah. He says, what's the emotion? Fear. Fear. Yeah. Fear of what? Won't happen. So in his desire of wanting it to happen, he could envision it, and he desired that which he saw in his dream. And at the same time, he had a second dream going of, it won't happen. I'll be disappointed. I'll judge myself for not doing the right failing or some teacher letting me down. And I'll, I'll feel cheated, not good enough. And I'm afraid of all that emotional pain. And this is typical. It's what's called hope against hope. Where we believe it could happen and we really believe it won't happen. And we have faith into two opposing dreams. And we intend and believe 
two different things will happen. Our faith is split. And this is the way we distort with multiple dreams and turn a hope into a fear, a desire, a yearning and intent into what if it doesn't click, 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 something painful, disappointment. Ooh, and then what? Fear. Well, I won't try then. I don't want to be hurt because I'm afraid of feeling emotion like that. So I won't try. Now we hesitate. Where's our intent now? Okay. This is how Maya corrupts and distorts hope. Real hope is faith. It will happen. I remember one of my first moments of hope, my process. I looked at okay, there must be something in my decision-making process. This common denominator in my relationships and things that aren't working is me. There must be something in my decision-making process that is directing me to end up where I am and stay where I am in these unhappy circumstances. And I thought, I will figure out whatever is in this decision-making process, not knowing what a belief system was at that time, I will figure it out and I will change it and I will be happy no matter what. I will not continue living the way I was living. That was my place of commitment. Okay. And hope was faith. Faith. It will happen. I will do it. I don't know how I'll do it. I don't know what will happen in the process but I will do it. No negotiating what ifs. Okay. Is there something that you can remember in your life where you had a clarity of something you wanted? And you said, I'm doing that, or I'm going to make that happen. Then you know what faith is, and you know what intent is. And you believe that it would happen 100%, no doubt. There wasn't any questioning after that. You didn't negotiate, what if, maybe not. Maybe a thought would come, but you're like, not entertained, really. There was no place in that dream for doubt. It was too important, too focused on it. Okay? This is, you could say, your need for that change, that manifestation. That was your power of magic to create. And then from that moment of intent, you instinctively, you take the actions necessary without effort. It's not struggle anymore to take those actions to create that change, correct? You just do it. And there's no whining, there's no bitching, complaining about the work. Just, no, I'm just doing this. It's not an effort, a struggle. You've all done it. You've all done, true, acts of power like this. True? You've all done it. You've done it when your desire was strong enough. Okay. That's faith. But faith usually comes that act of power 
out of need. You know how to do it, and you've done it. I'm inviting you to do it here. Okay. Integrity. You think integrity can be corrupted? The conceptual idea of integrity, absolutely. The words integrity, yeah. We, the judge can use it. It says, you're not being in integrity. The victim can use it. It's like, oh, you're not being in integrity. You're letting me down. Right? This word of lofty attainment, quality, character. My friend, let's call her Jane, she was doing a business deal. She got this certain piece of land, and another guy had this other piece of land, and they like, she was like, couldn't buy both. But she said, hey, between these two pieces of land, we could develop it. You know, we'll, we'll merge them both, we'll combine them, and we can build a profitable business there. And the other guy said, great. He bought that piece, she bought her parcel. She was doing, getting the, the plans approved. He was going to get the loan for the construction. They're on their way. She has a big balloon payment in a year. She figures, well, you know, when she'll sell the piece of land to him with the plans and the construction loan, they'll be partners 50-50 in this deal. Well, she said, well, this is what they agreed to verbally. Time goes on, months go by. He's not really coming in with the loan, doesn't have the money to buy out the 50%. He wants to buy the property at just a little bit above what she paid for it. And she's like, no, no, that's not the deal. I was like, well, that's the best I could do. Weeks later, oh, that's the best I could do. Weeks later, the best I could do. Meanwhile, this balloon payment's coming. And she's hearing from her friends, this guy's screwing you. He's told me he's screwing you. He's leading you right to the deadline where you're forced to sell to him. And she's like, no, no, no. You know, I made an agreement with him. I'm going to stick to it. I want to be in my integrity on this. Okay? I want, to, I want to do this with integrity. I said I'm going to do it. I want to stick to my word. I said, what does integrity mean? She says, doing what I said I'm going to do. I said, but yeah, you had a verbal agreement. This is what you're going to do. But it was under the assumption that this is what he's going to do. He's changed the deal. But you're keeping it. And now he's using your idea of sticking to your verbal agreement that he's broken. He's using your commitment to that original deal to abuse you. And if you agree with it, you'll abuse yourself. And you call it integrity. Her commitment to this idea. What's going to hurt her financially, big time. And she called it integrity. You could call it loyalty. You could call it being impeccable with your word. But it was really going to be self-abuse. But to her, it was some lofty spiritual thing to attain. But it was Maya corrupting words, language, conceptual ideas. Looks like the weight of freedom being a more enlightened being, not in Maya's way. Okay? So I ask sometimes, 
What do you mean by that word? Because that's a big pivot point that you're getting turned around on. Loyalty. Loyalty, for most people, means obedience. If you're loyal to me, you do what I say. Okay? If the employer has employees, he wants those employees to be loyal to him. I know one gentleman, and he espoused, loy espoused loyalty being very important. And when he knew that one of his managers had an interview with a competitor, he fired him. Just for the interview. Where's the loyalty? It's one direction. That's not loyalty. That's obedience. He punishes him for not being loyal. Well, he's not loyal. He's not serving his employees. He's not even having a conversation to discuss it. You see how Maya, lies, corrupt the ideas of heaven and turn avenues to freedom and love into dead ends of suffering. Now my favorite, my favorite is morality. My favorite is morality. You know, so much of what's constructed in our mind is made up of language. And the fundamental building blocks of language are, of course, words. But words by themselves are just abstract symbols. And what really makes them come alive is the meaning we put in them, the associations we make of them. They connect to so many things, other things in our mind, other ideas. They connect to events in our life. And these building blocks of words, it's what we use to make an interpretation of things, to describe things, becomes our vehicle of understanding. Understanding the world and the way we describe it. Understanding what we idealize. Understand what our goals are. How we relate to other people. And it ends up defining sometimes our actions, the ideal images we're going for, the characteristics we want to embody. Those are all constructed by language, by words. To be very clear in, about the direction we're headed in, about understanding ourselves, then it's not just enough to have quote-unquote, good words. What's the meaning of those words? How are they applied? And are those meanings and understandings twisted along the way by our ego, by our self-importance? Because when they are, they can turn a heavenly experience of life into a hellish experience of life. They are the very words we're trying to use to be better in the world, and they can be turned into a mechanism by which we suffer in the world. The same word, just because we weren't aware enough to notice how the meaning changed. 
It happened in that little abstract space of the mind, but the meaning altered and shifted. And so our direction changed, our attachment to things changed, our reaction to things changed, our emotional state changed. And what became altruistic, or what we once had as altruistic, hoped as altruistic, those abstract ideas like loyalty, integrity, love, compassion, morality, turned into abstract concepts that our ego mind uses against our own happiness. So the solution to that is awareness, clarity. If we are to be happy in this world that's filled with illusions of Maya, that's what Maya is, illusions, misunderstandings, misperceptions, distortions, this most commonly take place in our belief system of the mind, then we need clarity in this world of the mind. And that includes clarity in our language, our interpretations, our meanings, right down to the building blocks, the fundamental elements of the words we use. Life is pretty chaotic out there. And there's many opportunities for drama. A word, a simple word, association, a misunderstanding of a word can take us in that direction. So I find that if you want to be happy in this world, in your life, it's best to be clear about these things. In every moment, impeccably clear about these things. For more insights, and very practical exercises you can do to refine your clarity in life and develop happiness and love in a beautiful way, not a fearful way. I suggest you listen to and practice the exercises in the self-mastery course. There you'll find the actual action steps to put into practice instead of just theorizing it in your mind. And there's also my book, MindWorks, very practical exercises and a very in-depth explanation of how to address these very issues as well. Thank you very much. This is Gary Van Warmerdam from PathwayToHappiness.com.